Hi, Stan. Hey, how's it going, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. Thanks, thanks for calling in on time. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. No problem at all. Yeah, so I started this this podcast a few months ago trying to just connect with former Dallas Mavericks, and I think I mentioned to you on the phone last week that I haven't talked to many players from the 80s yet, and definitely not one from the, the first season in the team's existence, so I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, great. Yeah, good. Yeah, no, yeah, it was, it was a definitely unique experience and a lot of fun, so I'll be glad to you know, share anything with you. Cool. So one of the one of the first things that I like to ask former former players is, how did you get your start in basketball? At what age did you find yourself becoming passionate about it? Yeah, I guess like most kids, I grew up really playing baseball, basketball, and football. And then I had a uh, – when I was in uh, junior high school, probably the eighth grade, I really decided I want to concentrate on one sport. Mm-hmm. And for me, my idol was Pistol Pete. So I kind of really just at that point just really um, had a passion to be – really good and try to improve so I really dedicated myself from from eighth grade on and uh, that's kind of that's kind of when it all started for me very cool and this was in Orlando right yeah it was in Orlando I remember to uh Bill Bradley had a book Bill Bradley you know great U.S. senator but also a fantastic basketball player at Princeton Mm -hmm. he had a saying that that I put on my wall it said practice because when you don't someone somewhere is and when they meet you, they will beat you. <laughs> and the book was entitled, now that I remember that, the book was entitled A Sense of Where You Are. So Bradley was this all-American road scholar, but I really felt like, particularly living in Florida, predominantly a football state, that I had to really be compete against guys in Indiana, Kentucky, that really you know, played the game 365 days of the year, had a great passion for the sport. So even though I was in Florida and predominantly a football state, I really – embodied what Bill Bradley said and wanted to be as good as I could be. That's really cool. And going to Winter Park High School, were there any future NBA players that you played either either with or against during your time as a high school player? Yeah, so I had a really unique, unique experience. And um, so my senior year, I get to the state final, and I play against arguably the, the greatest team ever to be assembled in the state of Florida. And it was uh, Miami Jackson, and they had four guys, five guys on the team, all get Division One scholarships. Four of those, four of those guys got drafted to play in the NBA. Uh, back then, they had more rounds, not just two rounds, in the seven rounds. But the most amazing part of the whole, the whole equation is that their best player was the only player still today to history of, of the state of Florida be the first player picked in the NBA draft, and that was Michael Thompson. Michael oh, Thompson wow. played for Miami Jackson, and of course he went on. He was drafted number one by Portland, had a great NBA career, and of course his son Clay Thompson now is an outstanding guard for the Golden State Warriors. But the irony of all that is I lost to him by 12, <laughs> and after about three or four months, they got declared ineligible because they all came from the Bahamas. Most of those kids did, and they were one year <laughs> older than, the, than our guys and our team. So the state championship in 1974 in the state of Florida has not supported to any school. That's really interesting. I know something similar happened with uh, when Marquise Daniels was in high school in Florida, I think with a team in Miami. 
he wasn't on the team, but he, he was telling me, um, I think it was the team with Udonis Haslam and Steve Blake several years ago. Oh, Miami senior, correct. And Shaky Rodriguez was their coach. And Marquise at that time played for Edgewater High School, which is local here in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. So I remember him telling me about, I think, there being a year in Florida where there was no state champion. But I did not know that there was a year even before that. So that's, that's part of the reason I, I'm even doing these things is just to learn interesting facts like that. So after your, your high school career ended, what, what was your recruitment process like? Yeah, I was recruited, you know, thankfully, you know, pretty heavily. And I really narrowed it down to Auburn, Villanova, Kentucky, North Carolina State, and Wake Forest. Those were the main schools. And, and then from there, I narrowed it down to two, Auburn and Wake Forest. And since I had spent so many hours playing the game, literally playing every single day, particularly in the summer of seven, eight, nine hours a day during the school, I would go to practice. And after practice, I'd still go to local college and practice there, too. I really very imperative for me to play as a freshman. So long story short, I felt like I could, I could start at Auburn and start at Wake Forest. Auburn at that time, a little closer to home, SEC, uh, SEC Network was televising one game. The ACC, believe it or not, back then was not televising games down for it. So anyway, long story short, I picked Auburn and ended up going there and, um, you know, unfortunately starting as a freshman. That's really cool. And before – we, we talk about Auburn a little bit. I, I was doing some research on you and I found another podcast you did either a year or two ago where you mentioned a story during your recruitment process for Villanova where you arranged a lunch with uh, Pistol Pete. Can, can you talk about that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, yeah. I mentioned to you that he was my idol. You know, just a good habit. You know, where Raleigh Massimino was the coach of Villanova, Tom Inglesby was player that played for Coach Massimino, who happened to be a rookie for the Atlanta Hawks. And I knew that the Hawks were going to be playing the Sixers. So long story short, I got the opportunity to go up there and um, meet Pistol Pete. And uh, that was a thrill for me because he was my idol. And, and he was, again, playing the Atlanta Hawks, playing in Philly for, of course, Villanova. So that was a great weekend, one, one that I'll never forget. That's really cool that, that you were able to do that. So I'm not a huge college basketball fan. I, I'm a casual fan at best. What can you just talk about? Maybe something memorable during during your college career yeah. at, at Auburn before you went to the NBA. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I remember a couple of different things. Well, one, I played with two guys on my team that end up playing in the NBA All, All Star game. I and mean, you're you're much younger, but there's a guy named Eddie Johnson that played for Atlanta Hawks, end up playing in several All Star games. And there's another guy named Mike Mitchell who was my teammate who played for the primarily the Cleveland Cavaliers, who also played in their All-Star game. So that was unique, just that I played alongside two NBA All-Stars. And then, uh, not yeah, All-Stars, who had, you know, had long careers. And what else, the other thing I distinctly remember is I was a freshman, we had a practice, and we were approaching our first game. And I remember going in the locker room, looking at a sports page, and noticing that the Tennessee had played the night before. And they had some freshman and, and um, I looked at the box score and I want to say he had 41 or 43 his first game I said ah, who is this guy and they said it's some guy from New York named Bernard King oh wow <laughs> and so <laughs> oh I said okay so so I ended up you know obviously playing against and his partner and that and that that uh, duo was Bernard King it was the Ernie and Bernie show which so Bernard King and Ernie Grumfield great at Tennessee and then I played against some really good Kentucky teams with 
Kyle Macy, Jack Givens. They they won actually my senior year. They won the national championship. So uh, they had Mike Phillips, Rick Robry, James Lee, and they were really really good. They were you know kind of perennial top top ten team every year in the SEC. So the SEC was competitive. Alabama was was very 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 good. A lot of lot of talent. So it was a lot of fun to play you know play at that level and play against some really good players. Very cool. So you finished your, your collegiate career in, in 1978, and then you were drafted in the seventh round of the 78 draft by the Buffalo Braves. I didn't even know there was a seventh round back then. Uh, what, what was that, that process like for you? Well, it, it, it's really interesting. So and I, and I'm, I wish I could – his, his name escapes me. The, the head coach, Bob, okay, it just came back to me. Bob Kaufman was the head coach and general manager way back when for the Buffalo Braves. And he came my final game of the year to really watch Mike Mitchell, who was an outstanding player. And I had 35 who played Tennessee. And I felt like, man, I just, you know, I couldn't have played any better. And I come out and he's there and he introduces himself. And what I distinctly remember him saying is, hey, really good game. And what he said, make sure you get your education. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess he wasn't too impressed. Um, but 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 anyway, the, the long story short, I always I always tell people, hey, with your draft in the seventh round, they're probably they're probably you know women, dogs, whatever drafted before I was. But uh, but anyway, the the day of the draft, I remember I was contemplating using an agent, and there was an agent agency firm out of Atlanta that had called me. And said, "Hey, Stan, you're drafting the third round by the Cleveland Cavaliers." And again, back then, of course, no TV; it's all done by phone. Mm-hmm. And so I got off the phone, celebrated with my family. We're real excited. Third round in Cleveland. I felt like I had a real good chance to make that team. And um, about an hour later, they called me back and they said, "No, Stan, that's not you. That was Stan Rome of Clemson." Oh. <laughs> that was that was that was a disappointment. And I finally got drafted. Um, seventh round by the Clippers and uh, what was really interesting for me so I, so I really killed myself that summer went out to training camp and the long story short the first NBA game I ever played in that year we played the Phoenix Suns on the road and I started so to go from a seventh round draft pick to, to start your first game that person was a big achievement something I'll, I'll never forget that's really cool because I would and I did a little bit of research into some of the uh the other guys that were drafted in the seventh round, and I didn't get a chance to look at all of them, but I think your, your career, at least in the NBA, you know, you, you ended up playing multiple seasons, and a lot of the other guys that were drafted in that round did not get to play in multiple seasons like you did. So I think that's probably a testament to your uh, determination and work ethic, I would imagine. Yeah, I, yeah, I felt like I was I was very blessed. Really think I had the opportunity to do that. I played for a very short period of time that year, and then uh, our head coach, too, it was the former Philadelphia 76er coach, a guy named World Be Free, which you probably will remember. Um, he, he ended up coming to the Clippers, and then I was moved down to the minors. So I played the minors the rest of that year, and then I came back the next year and played the entire year for the Clippers. Had my best year as a, as a pro, started 17 games, had 20 points in one game, and play with a cast of characters, so including World Be Free, Joe Jellybean Bryant, who was Kobe's dad. I played with Bill Walton, 
played with uh, Quinn Nader, played with Randy Smith, who was a All-American soccer player at Buffalo State, and one of the fastest men I've ever played with in my life. Phenomenal player. Brian Taylor, who played at Princeton. Nick Weatherspoon. So it was just – and Marvin Barnes actually was on that team for a short period of time. So it was a total cast of characters. Uh, really interesting season. Uh, Gene Shu was a former NBA All-Star and a very intelligent cerebral coach that could, you know, he's a master of getting people open offensively. So it was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a great year, solid year. You know, it was a lot of fun. Played my first game that year. I did not get in the game, but my first game is, is a memorial game, you know, because that was Magic Johnson's first game in the NBA. So they're playing. I, I can still remember now, you know, it's obviously a long time ago, probably over 30 years ago. And, you know, they were up late. We hit a shot. They call timeout. And Magic throws it to Kareem about the top of the key and, and makes a hook shot at the top of the key. And I distinctly remember Magic jumping on Kareem, so excited, like a, in, like a college game and a championship. And Kareem was saying, hey, bud, kind of get off with you. got 81 more. <laughs> I, I've seen highlights of that, and I've seen uh, uh, Magic talking about just like you described, where Kareem basically told him to calm down. We're just getting started. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was I was on the team. I did, I did not play in that game, but I was on that team in the bench, and uh, I remember that very vividly. That was a, you know quite a game and quite a memory. Very cool. So at that time, did you get to meet a uh, an infant Kobe Bryant? I did, be, yeah, I did meet an infant. And what I remember about Kobe well, is, is just about his dad. So his dad was Joe Jellybean Bryant. So he went to LaSalle, was a very, very good player there, played the Sixers, came to the Clippers, and actually was was a you know good athlete. And I remember his wife was very tall and athletic too. And they had, I forgot how many kids they had, but I want to say they at least had four kids. And, and Joe was there. Um, and, and for multiple teams. After that, as you know, and that's actually where my career ended too, I ended up playing four years in Italy after the Mavericks. And of course, Joe took his game over to Italy and played for like, I want to say eight or nine years. And that's where Kobe really grew up and, and played the game. But I, I, I distinctly remember Joe and Joe being a nice guy. I distinctly remember his wife being tall, long, you know, athletic. And so, it, it was kind of no surprise, of course, surprise that he's as good as he turned, turned out to be, Kobe. But his, uh, his his mom and dad were both you know great people and very athletic. So I know you had the, the two years playing with the Clippers, and then before you went to the Mavericks, and I had to do a little research on this. You played for a team, uh, the Alberta Dusters <laughs> in the CBA. Uh, what was the, yeah. the, the C, like the day to day CBA life like at that time? Yeah, well, so that, that, that was interesting. So what I distinctly remember about that is a couple of things. One, I had my best year at the Clippers. I come back, and very disappointingly, Gene Shu was let go. So our new coach, who's a very nice man, but the first time he ever coached in the NBA was Paul Silas. And unfortunately, after a couple of games, I got released and had to go to the Alberta Dusters. And, um, you know, Alberta Dusters, as you can imagine, it's a collection of guys, some guys still young like I was, you know, doing everything they can to impress somebody, try to get back to the NBA. Other guys who are just trying to hang on to the game and just you know, not necessarily turn their lives and, and move, move on to a different stage in their lives. So 
you know, I was doing everything I can to, you know, to, to get better, to stay in great shape, to hopefully get called up by, um, by, by the NBA team. Unfortunately, I did get called up by uh, the Dallas Mavericks. So they, the Mavericks brought you on, I believe, on a couple of 10-day contracts at first before eventually signing you for the rest of the season. But what's really cool is, like I mentioned earlier, you played in Dallas during the inaugural season of the Mavericks. So what, what was that like coming from uh, or just coming into a new situation on, a, uh, on an expansion team? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, it, 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 you know, you accurately depicted it. So think about this. Think about tomorrow you get on a plane and you fly to New York and you're going to play at the Knicks and you practice one time and the next day you're playing the Sixers. So the first thing that's thrown upon you on a 10-day contract is you get there, you land, you practice, you're trying to learn the offenses, you know, the, all, all the different offensive plays, the out-of-bounds plays, side-outs, all the different schemes that you have, and then defensively how we play different actions from the other team. And then, not only that, but then the next day you're playing the game. And so that was – you know, that's, that's hard. That's not easy. And then furthermore, to your point, you're not guaranteed anything. You're signed just for a 10-day contract. And if you're good enough to get to the 10-day, they have the opportunity to extend it to another 10 days. So I would say the long story short, first, my first experience, those were 20 of the longest days of my life. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> can imagine. To, yeah. just, just to get through that, and because, you know, there's, you know, there's pressure on every practice, every game. And um, but but thankfully I did I did get through that was able to make the team for the for the balance of the year and what I you know I, I remember a couple things distinctly I remember that our coach Dick Mata in more than one occasion and very accurately said he would pull us into a room and say guys I got to be honest with you there's a thousand kids in you know right now that are as good as you are to play in the NBA. We're an expansion team. We're one of the worst teams in the NBA. So you have to give me every single thing, every single day, every single possession, on and off the floor, be the best you can possibly be. And I, and I thought that made a lot of sense because I know in my situation, he was 100% correct. I was just fighting my guts out for a fight on the team. So I thought that was a lot of wisdom by him. But the other thing I distinctly remember, too, is Brad Davis. So Brad was drafted by the Lakers. Uh, very early, came out early from Maryland, was a guard, and did not have a good start to his NBA career at all. Matter of fact, it was, a, it was a bad start. Matter of fact, he was really frustrated with himself in the game and went to the CBA and finally decided he was going to finish that year out, and that was it. He was going to move on. The Dallas Mavericks basically had to beg him to come for a 10-day contract the long story short with him, which is a you know it's, it's, it's an incredible story. Not only does he go ten day and then eventually sign, but he ends up getting his jersey retired for the Dallas Mavericks. So a guy that was basically almost totally out of the league and had enough, you know, got resurrected in Dallas and had a phenomenal career. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I just watched last. I guess it was about a week ago, and you missed him in Dallas by a few years uh, when when Derek Harper just got his jersey retired here last week. And they had yeah. Brad there, and Dick Mata came and gave a little speech. So, uh, did you by any chance see any any of the coverage of that or anything? Well, I'm familiar with yours because he's from Florida. I did get invited back, and I did go to uh, to Brad Davis's you know retirement ceremony. And the interesting story about that, I'll never forget it, is Don Carter, 
was our owner, a very nice man. Just remind me so much of the Texan wore, wore a cowboy hat. <laughs> just a really nice, very, very, very amicable, uh, cordial man. And I remember we were all in the room, and some of the guys like Tom Lagarde who played at Carolina, Jim Spinarco who played at Duke, myself, there are other guys there, Scott Lloyd, Marty Burns, guys like that. We're coming back to celebrate Brad. And Mr. Carter went around and said, now, I, yeah, Tom, I remember you. You were at Carolina, Jim Spinarco, you were at Duke. He looked at me, he goes, I don't remember you. <laughs> well, unfortunately that kind of sums up my career in the nba i don't remember you <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's funny and it, it does make for a cool story though yeah. so i'm, I'm looking at a breakdown of your games as the mavericks and unfortunately basketballreference.com doesn't have a whole lot of information from the like the 1980-81 season but it does say did you play against Bird and the Celtics? Like it's listed as one of your games, but there's no stats associated with it. So I'm I wanted to see if yeah. uh, if you got to face him. Yeah, I, I did play. You know, one of the things that, and you probably didn't see this, but one of, and I, I'm trying to think anyway. So Dick Mata, after our practice one day, and I don't know if you read this article or not. You might have, but Dick Mata, after our practice one day, said, "Hey guys, here's what I'll do. If you make 25 free throws in a row, I'll give you 25 dollars." <laughs> and for every one, I'll give you a dollar. So I was the only guy on the team to make 25 in a row. And then I proceeded to continue to shoot, and I made 112 in a row before I missed. So so he had to, he had to, he had to give me $112, and he said, that's the last time I'm going to do that. I said, Coach, that's more of my salary. Don't, don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah, so what I remember about that is, you know, I was I was a good shooter. I you know I really worked hard on my shooting, but what I remember probably the hardest free throw I ever had to I ever took was not 112. It was the one the next game I played. <laughs> I feel like man, I made 112 in a row. I don't want this one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very cool. Yeah, and speaking of shooting, I think at that time for that season you actually led the Mavs in three pointers made. You made 19 threes that year, which was the most on the team, and you shot 40 percent. You know which back then and, and today's standards is uh, an outstanding percentage. Do you think your game would have translated well in, in today's era? Yeah, I do. I, you know, what happened really with the Mavs and like, if you went back and looked at the Clippers, the one year I was with the Clippers, what I distinctly remember, there was an all-star named Paul Westfall that played the Phoenix Suns. My last game of the season with the Clippers, when I played for the entire year, we played against the Suns. I had 20 points. And I remember Paul Westfall coming to my locker room because I played with him in the summertime. He said, Stan, hey, just want to let you know that was a great year because I actually shot 50% from the field, which is very difficult to do for a guard. And so I really felt like – and I really felt like as a Maverick, I did okay, but I never got on track like I was capable. And I wasn't, I wasn't you know, hey, I was, I was battling every day, doing everything I could, but for whatever reason – didn't didn't work out as well as I wanted, and so because of that, um, I was I contemplated coming back there the next year, but I, I truthfully was offered a two-year kind of guaranteed contract in Italy for actually much more money than I was making with the uh, Mavs. So I ended, I ended up opting to go to Italy the next two years and not returning to the Mavs. That, yeah, I mean that's completely understandable, and you you probably made the best decision for for you and your family by doing that. Uh, did you enjoy your, your international career? Oh, yeah. No, I loved it. I had a great time. Played with two guys 
that won a national championship in, in college. Uh, there, there's only two Americans. So I played with these guys, obviously, separate times. One of them was Tom Abernathy, played for IU, played professionally. And the other was a guy named Scott May, who also played for Indiana. And he, they, they were, you know, Scott was probably a top five pick by the Chicago Bulls. Both of them were, you know, played under, you know, the legendary Bobby Knight. So that was fun to kind of hear those stories. And also they were, they were just, they were tremendous teammates. So we had a lot of fun, great experience over in Italy. I finally, after my fourth year, I hurt my Achilles. And so I had to stop playing and I came back to Orlando, Florida. Oh, wow. Are you still affiliated with, with basketball in any way? Well, I, yeah, I, I am in the sense that, um, you know, I, I helped coach a high school team tonight, but really, you know, one thing that's interesting, and you, you've talked to a lot of athletes and through these podcasts, but unfortunately, I, I think, you know, as, as an athlete, as you know, a lot of times athletes are pampered. And I think a lot of times athletes, we take the stance that we're on scholarship the rest of our lives. I really took a totally different stance. Mm-hmm. I obviously didn't make, make, didn't make enough money to retire. So when I came back to Orlando, I, I, got, I, I got into the, the real estate business, and I really felt like, you know what? If I can devote the time, effort, and energy to some other career like I did basketball, then I should have a really good chance to succeed. I said, I always thought people I will compete against, are, they might be smarter, more articulate, but there's none of these people have put the 10, 11 hours in. I, I did my entire career. So if I can use that same work ethic, I can be successful. So I pursued a real estate career. I have my own real estate development company. So I've been doing that for golly, almost uh, over 30 years. Um, I've also been in the, been, been involved with three startup banks and been in the banking business as well. So been able to really leverage my experience off of basketball into another career, and we're very, very thankful for that. That's really cool. And, yeah, I, I had read a little bit about, about how, how you had move on, moved on to real estate and how you were also involved um, in, a, in an organization called Elevate Orlando. Can, can you shed a little light on, yeah. on that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so Elevate Orlando is a nonprofit organization, and we started out with, 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 with really no funds at all. Uh, we modeled something out of Colorado called Colorado Uplift. And what we do, and I'm real just, especially today, you know, the irony of you asking that question today, obviously it's Martin Luther King's day, but we, we now raise over a million dollars to hire minority teachers to teach in the worst inner city schools. And our goal is to really mentor these kids and to lift them up out of their current situation. So our teachers teach in school an elective class on Stephen McCovey's Seven Effective Habits for Teens. And then after school, we really take these kids to SAT prep. We take them to career days. We take them to college campuses. So our goal is to get these kids some type of post-secondary education, whether it's a technical school, whether it's a, a junior college, whether it's military or a four-year school. And We've had tremendous success, and our goal is to not only come out and be successful, then but then to go back into these communities and give back. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really really proud and excited that in the worst inner city schools in Orlando that we're making a difference. That's really admirable, and uh, I, I really respect what you're doing. I think that's really great. So, I think I just have a uh, a couple more questions for you, and uh, thank you so much. And I really enjoy these conversations. And like I said, uh. I'm finding myself becoming more interested in the, like the early Maverick days. You know, I'm, I'm kind of 
I kind of consider like me as like a fan from like 95 on when I started to become very passionate sure. about basketball. So I'm, I'm really getting much more interested in this era of Mavs basketball. So one of my questions is, and this is something I've been doing with a, a lot of players or a lot of former Mavericks over the last few episodes. I'm looking at a list here of, let's see, 21 names, a 1981 Dallas Mavericks. I wanted to see how many you could name off the top of your head. Okay. Of the, well, of the 81, you're talking about the 19, 1981 Mavericks? Yeah, 1980, 1981, the season that you were there. Okay. So the season I was there, okay, that's, that's a great question. Let me, <laughs> let me go through them. So uh, Marty Burns, yep. Tom Lagarde, Jim Spadarkle, Brad Davis, Abdul Jelani, I want to say Clarence Key, Chad, Chad Kinch. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, Bill Robenzine. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, Scott Lloyd. Yep. <laughs> I've done pretty good, haven't I? Yeah, so far, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Okay, who's uh, Winford Boyne? Let's see. Is he? Uh, yes, Winford Boynes is on here. And it, it's wow. possible okay. that, that you didn't even play with all these guys because I know you came in like in January of that right. season and some exactly. of them may have been gone by the time you got there. So that's something I, I'm, I'm not totally aware of. But Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, name, name, the, name the balance of them. I got pretty close. I was, yeah, so uh, Daryl Alums. Austin, okay, yeah, Daryl Allen. Yeah, uh, Austin like, Carr. Like, Okay, Austin Carr. I did. I did not play those two, but I know exactly who they are. Okay. Okay. Uh, Monty Davis. Okay, Monty Davis. Yeah. Okay, I remember Monty Davis's name. Yeah. Uh, Ralph Drawlinger. Drawlinger. Ralph Drawlinger is a seven-footer. Played. You know, played at UCLA. He was a Mav. Not on my team, but I remember Ralph exactly. Yeah, Terry Durod. Terry uh, Durod. Yeah, star from from Michigan. I think he went to Michigan. Very cool. Uh, Joe Hassett. Yeah, Joe Joe Hassett, Providence, played at Providence. <laughs> he was not there when I was there. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, uh, Jeff Huston or Houston? Okay, that's the one I missed. Jeff Houston. Yeah, he was a guard, and uh, yeah, a good player. That's that's one that was on my team that I missed. Jeff Houston. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ollie Mack. Oliver Mack. Yeah, Oliver Mack, Western Carolina. <laughs> you, never, you have I'll, incredible memory. <laughs> Well, the reason here, – here's a great story about Oliver Mack. Is Oliver Mack, I remember, nice young man, good player, averaged 11 or 12 points a game. One of the greatest lessons in life, he missed practice by five minutes. Dick Mata said to him, said, Oliver, he said, you're a great kid. You're a good player. But if you miss another practice and don't come late, you won't start for me. And not only will you not start for me, I'm telling you, you won't be in the NBA. Wow. Oliver Mack every practice then towards the end of the season missed one more practice he didn't start and i i i i would promise you i don't think he played for the mavs and i don't think he played in the nba again wow i'll have to double check that that's a that's a really cool story uh and there's two more names here richard washington and jerome whitehead okay yeah richard washington ucla was not there when i was there jerome whitehead how can i forget him he's the aircraft carrier for marquette 
who I played with with the Clippers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really cool. And my last question is, if, if Dick Mata challenged you to make 25 free throws today, how many do you think you can make? Yeah, if you, if you talk to Dick Mata, tell him I make 100. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I enjoyed our conversation, Stan. Um, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And thanks for calling in. And it's cool to catch up with Mads from the past. And I'm glad that you're still active in, active in the community and uh, trying to make it better. I think that's great. Hey, thanks. I really appreciate you calling. Keep playing. You, you sound like you're, you're, you got the bug. You're still playing. Keep playing. Keep enjoying yourself. Keep, in, you know, keep making a difference, right? That's what we all need to do. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I still play. I actually shot. I had the, the day off of work today, and I was shooting baskets in the backyard for a little bit. I, I always enjoyed it. Okay, so here's here's what we're gonna do. You come to Orlando. We're gonna you're gonna shoot 25. I'm gonna shoot 25. If you beat me, I'm gonna give you 500. dollars I'm completely down to do that. And I actually have a brother that lives in Orlando, so I might be able to make that happen. <laughs> All right. Then when you come this way, give me a call. I'd love to meet you. That'd be awesome. All right, great. Uh, well, thank you, Stan, and uh, have a good night. Okay. Forgotten America. Forgotten America.